This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com. Today's guest, Jason Cohen, is making the coolest movie. It's called Big Change, the movie, and it's about people who have lost around 200 pounds and kept it off for years, which is basically like looking for the Loch Ness Monster or, or Bigfoot or something. Because when you look at the statistics from the National Weight Loss Registry, like nobody does that. Like 5% of people manage to lose 5% of their body weight and keep it off for even a year or, or like 1% or some crazy number. Like nobody does that. And when you look at TV shows like The Biggest Loser, they just had a study in obesity where the 2009 crew of contestants have all gained the weight back and then some. And so all scientists are going, well, their metabolism must be different. They have to exercise like three hours a day more than everybody else. And it's basically impossible. Basically, the you can't square the circle. The math doesn't work out. There's no way to lose weight. And here, Jason is chasing down a bunch of people who have done it with a predictable formula eating plants and exercising, eating plants in their whole food and exercising hard, eating plants in um, unprocessed ways with mindful attention to the quality of the plant food and turning into athletes. And that's the formula. And Jason should know he himself is a big changer. He grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana, where there's no end of delicious food to eat. Although at some point he developed a real predilection for what he calls beige food, like mac and cheese and things like that. And he managed to beige his way up to almost 300 pounds before he started the same process of turning his own life around, of moving towards more plants, of moving towards exercise, and of seeing himself not as a fat guy, but as an athlete. And I met him through two of the folks whom I have been working with and interviewing uh, a lot. Tim Kaufman, whom I interviewed a few weeks ago on the Plant Yourself podcast, and my collaborator in many things, including a book and an upcoming podcast and the Big Change program, which is now in its second week, Josh Lajani. Those two are two of the folks that um, Jason is highlighting in his Big Change film. So without further ado, Jason Cohen, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So I, I heard about you through a couple of, of friends, uh, Josh Lajani and Tim Kaufman. And so you're, you're, ma you're making a film, right? A documentary? Yeah, that's right. Um, more or less trying to uh, just kind of document people and share the stories of people who have lost significant amounts of weight, have been able to sustain it. And um, just to hopefully help other people realize that they're not uh, trapped in their situation that they find themselves in, that they actually can do something about it and show them real world, everyday people who've done it. And um, if, if they can do it, then anybody can do it. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, given the statistics, and I'm sure you've looked at, you know, the National Weight Loss Registry and, and various things like that, you know, you're, you're basically like trying to find, you know, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and, right, these are, these are, in, in popular culture, these things don't exist, that people lose huge amounts of weight and keep it off. Yeah, right. it's super unfortunate, and actually I did uh, enjoy Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster as a kid, so maybe there's a connection there, um, but yeah, you know, I, I had lived, I had lived under that 
um, that lie or that story for, for a bit of my adult life up until the point at which I realized that, um, you know, for myself that, that my future was in my own hands and that I couldn't, I couldn't blame it on genetics. I couldn't blame it on my surroundings or the people or, um, you know, just think that I was kind of entrapped in this body that wasn't going to cooperate. And then once I saw in my own self, which I'm, I'm nobody special, um, that, that change was possible and that I was able to move forward with something, um, that actually put my life on a different projection. I realized that although maybe culture and other people might be living in a certain narrative, because that's just kind of the way we've been going and you kind of jump in the boat and you just go down the stream, that there is truly another way and that, um, that it is possible that if you want it, um, and that hopefully through this, that we can build a network of people and a network of stories that will show people that the statistics, um, although they, they are true, they aren't necessarily the end of the story. All right. So let's, uh, we started at the beginning, like a, a good, a good narrative device. So let's go, let's go back. To, uh, we started in the middle rather like a, a good narrative device. So let's start, go back to, to your beginning. So t- tell us about your your journey and your interest in, you know, in health and weight loss and like, why is it, why it's a personal issue for you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm originally, uh, from Lafayette, Louisiana. That's where I live. Phenomenal place to live. People are amazing. Fortunately slash unfortunately, the food is also amazing. And, uh, you know, throughout high school and college, I just found myself getting bigger and bigger. Um, I say that, uh, the only things I ate were the color beige, whether that was frozen pizza, mac and cheese, um, basically anything with cheese. Uh, and, and so, you know, my, the, the limited nature of what I ate, whether it was because we were in college or I was young and married or had a business, you know, it just was, is very narrow. And as a result of my choices, I got bigger and bigger to the point at which I was 297. And, um, I hopped on the scale one morning for whatever reason, um, which was a once a year, once every two year, uh, thing and realized that I had, I was, you know, my scale went to 300. And so I saw the needle. It's one of those old time scales where it just slowly goes up. And I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to actually go over. It didn't, but it, uh, I just said to myself internally, you're not going to get above 300 pounds. And, uh, simultaneously I had a friend who was close to me who was a little older and actually looked better than I did, who passed away from a heart attack unexpectedly. I had other friends around me who were a little bit older and who were, you know, just kind of dealing with what, I originally had thought was just the the ailments of getting older, but also realized that they were ailments of, you know, an unhealthy lifestyle and being bigger. And I basically just saw myself heading towards that. And um, simultaneously, a friend gave me a bicycle as a gift, as a going away gift. He was moving, and uh, and said, "Here, you know, I want to give this to you." He was he was a BMXer, still is, still a great friend. And basically, I said to myself, what are you giving a 300-pound guy a bicycle for? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be scared on it. I'm going to look like an idiot. And um, little did I know that was going to kind of be a switch for me and uh, for, for a new love and a newfound um, interest in cycling. And then, you know, kind of right off the bat, I did a weight loss challenge with a friend, uh, which is ironic now because it was actually the, the, the prize at the end of it was a big, nice meal at a restaurant in New Orleans. And, uh, that was a six month long challenge and I lost 40, he gained three and, uh, I was really kind of motivated because he's a, uh, I knew that the bill was going to be pretty high. So, um, and, and kind of that all, that all happened simultaneous for me. It was kind of a perfect storm, so to speak, 
uh, of motivation, some good, some bad. And then um, once I got done with that, I just, you know, I, I, at that point, I'd actually lost 50 pounds. And I said, if I've been able to do this, what else are the possibilities? And then mm-hmm. just kind of kept moving. Uh, I kept, you know, moving forward. So, so let me, let me um, decompress some, some of that story. There's a, there's a lot going on. So you talked about, you know, Lafayette, Louisiana, where they have some of the best food in the world. So for you, you, you mentioned before we got on the call that you weren't like a really big, heavy kid as a kid. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember being probably, you know, seven years old, 10 years old and being a rail, you know, being a string bean. And, um, and then just somewhere, somewhere in there, you know, I got, I got pickier and pickier about what I would eat. Um, I didn't need a ton of vegetables and, um, you know, that just kind of slowly but surely just led down a path of very narrow food choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fortunately slash unfortunately for here, um, you know, fortunately, if you're into tasting really delicious food, unfortunately, if you're into, uh, you know, making healthy food decisions, especially out to eat, um, that led to just eating things that weren't health promoting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're in an environment in which pretty much every, you know, everyone's eating this way, right? Yeah, no, I mean, um, and my parents weren't, you know, my parents aren't particularly big people. Um, they weren't, um, necessarily super unhealthy, but I think also, you know, as you, high school, I wasn't particularly huge, but as you get into college and then post-college, you're in control over all of your meals and, um, you know, you're in college. My wife and I used to, used to get a Totino's 99 cent pizza and then we would splurge and get the $2 box of like shells and cheese. And we call that, you know, like the bachelor special or, you know, when we first got married or we'd go to the, we go to the Chinese restaurant and we could get, you know, basically a, uh, you know, general style chicken with an extra, uh, egg roll for five bucks and both of us eat for lunch. And, you know, when you're young and in college and also uninformed, those decisions seem like they're good because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're trying to eat so that, you know, within a certain budget, or you're busy because you're going to class. I was also kind of starting my business at the time. And, um, you know, you're focused on all these other things. And the last thing that you either have time for or you're even uh, setting as a priority is your own health. Mm-hmm. So when you were doing that, it all, it all makes perfect sense. You know, I've, I've eaten on a budget before. And, you know, I know those, those calculations. And I'm sure people around you were doing the same thing. Did you feel like there was something wrong with you that you were starting to gain all this weight or were people around you like you know reflecting back the same the same types of of weight gain and 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 unhealthy pallors or did like like did you think you were this was just normal the way things were supposed to go or like there was something wrong with you yeah you know everybody says the freshman 15 or the freshman 30 or the freshman 50 and so i think there's some element of that but um you know, I just don't, I don't think that it was really on my mind. I was, I was interested in, you know, I got married fairly young. So you, you know, you kind of put your focus into that and then you put your focus into, uh, like I said, a business. And, um, I don't think I looked that much different than anybody around me. Um, and unfortunately these days I do, uh, and I say unfortunately, cause it breaks my heart for the people who are around me. So, you know, being, especially in this culture, as you mentioned, it's kind of, it's kind of accepted in a way. And, and, you know, every once in a while, my wife would, would kind of mention something about, 
um, about, you know, being concerned about my health, not so much about the way that I look, but just, you know, what that means for the future. You know, basically she wanted me to be around for a long time. And as a bigger person, you're, you know, at least for me and a lot of the people that I've chatted with, it's an extremely sensitive topic. And so when somebody says something, you kind of instantly put on your defense mechanism, which, you know, kind of leads to guilt and shame. And, and unfortunately, you know, whether it was that I wasn't ready to hear the message or I wasn't willing to hear the message, it kind of almost just put me um, at odds with that, that feeling of, of, you know, her wanting me to get better. Mm. So, so she hadn't gained weight or that much. She had gained some weight. I mean, now looking back, you know, what she looks like now compared to pictures, but, but nothing in proportion with what I had gained. I mean, she may have gained, you know, um, 10 or 15 pounds. If you, if you look back when I was at my biggest, she was definitely a little bit heavier, but by no means was she anywhere near me or, um, or anything necessary alarming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of thoughts. One is, like, it, it never occurred to me before until you just said it, when you're just like freshman 15, how how dangerous that is to normalize it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everybody around you is eating it. And, you know, I mean, whenever, uh, I mean, I kind of say it as a joke now, although it's, it's you know, it's, it's certainly not funny. But, you know, at the time, I was involved with an organization where they had free lunches on, you know, free lunch on Monday and all the church ladies would come and bring, you know, rice and gravy and fried chicken. And then it was like you knew which place had the dollar burger on Tuesdays and a different place had, you know, $2 burgers on Wednesdays. And then, you know, Thursdays, there was something, you know, that was in that lineup as well. And, uh, you know, it's just you kind of live in a bubble and everybody's doing the same thing and you're staying up late at night, you know. For me, I was cramming for for tests or working on projects late. Like I said, you know, trying to work during the day or work at night, and so you're you know you're eating into the night. It's it's pretty uh, easy to see how you know things lead in that direction. And I think simultaneously, um, you know, you're thinking about taking care of you know your grades. You're thinking about you know for me taking care of my marriage and taking care of a business, and you know somewhere down the list, way way down is your person, but that, you know, if you can get all the other ones right, then there's not much time left for, for, for yourself when you're that far down. Sure. It, it reminds me in a weird way of like my relationship with iPhones where like I get one and I was like, Oh, there's all these cool apps and, and the screen's better than the last one. And then like after a while it's full. Yeah. And like now I got to deal with, I've got, you know, 15, gigabytes is of stuff on it and now it's malfunctioning and I can't download things and like until it reached that oh no point I was completely oblivious to sort of you know caring for it that there was it felt it felt like there was infinite inputs until there weren't I don't I don't know that's like a, a really a really dumb metaphor and, but and and simultaneously you kind of almost think well there's nothing I can do about it I might as well just go ahead and get a new one or the new one will work better you know rather than actually addressing the issue at hand. Yeah. Yeah. So so when your your wife wanted you to to be healthier, to maybe lose a little weight so you could be around longer, um did anything work or did did all of her efforts just sort of, you know, push you into resistance? 
No, and and to be honest, you know, I don't want to make her not to say sound like the bad guy, but I don't want to I don't want to make her sound overly naggy or anything. But she um, she didn't necessarily push me. It was just one of those things that would come up every once in a while. And you know, to be honest, at least for myself, and I think for a lot of people, you feel uncomfortable enough as a larger person, whether that's you know with your own self image or the way that people sometimes deal with you and look at you, or just kind of some of the the frustrations of the day to days that. Um, that that's just one more thing. Um, and so you're, you know, it's kind of like, um, you're already on edge. And so whenever she brings that up, that's the last thing in the world that I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take in and do something about. Um, and, and also, and, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with people. I think, I think for me at least, and for several people I've talked to, once you start losing the weight and you realize you kind of work on yourself physically simultaneously, you work on yourself mentally as well, and, you re- and you're able to kind of accept and receive those things that people tell you about that maybe, that maybe you're not seeing, and you're able to, to see them and receive them in a way that I was never able to see before. You know, everything, everything was a bullet before, if that makes sense. Everything mm. was everything was somebody trying to attack me versus like kind of this collaboration of trying to make me better or the situation better. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I just, I got a, an email last night from someone in the, in our big change program that Josh Lajani and I are doing about like, my husband just doesn't support me in this and he refuses to listen to the calls that I'm on and read the books. And he just thinks, um, you know, and, and he said, you know, the woman says, I've been dieting for 38 years, as long, you know, for as long as we've been married. And, and just, you know, thinking about like, the spouse who is in one of those positions, like, you know, we're, we're, we're we want the best for someone, and we don't know how to talk to them about it, or whether we have any say, and we feel helpless, or we're the one who's trying to change, and, and they're dragging their feet. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, too, sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's hard to hear that information from the people that you're closest with, you know, because I don't know if there's judgment or perceived judgment involved, rather. Um, but, you know, I can, I can watch a movie, uh, a documentary, or listen to a podcast or read a book, and it can tell me something that my wife or maybe somebody close to me has been saying for days or weeks or years. But because it's not coming from that person who's the closest to me sometimes, at least for myself, I know, it can be a little bit easier to digest, which is, which is basically what happened to me. You know, it was, a, it was an external or several external factors that came along and said, you know, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to do something, whether it was directly to me or I just, you know, kind of came across the information. Uh huh. Right. Right. All right. So you say you, you, um, you, you, you did this weight loss challenge. The prize was a nice meal in New Orleans. Did, did you win the prize? I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> I lost uh, my buddy, I think, gained three. He came out. It was kind of the rabbit and the hare story or the, uh, the, turtle, and the, uh, the turtle and the rabbit story yeah. um, where you know, I kind of came out slow and steady. He came out the gate um, just flying and uh, I knew that I had six months to do it. I also picked somebody specifically who I knew was extremely competitive. So I knew that he was going to take it seriously. Um, but you know, his life, his life kind of settled in and you know, he's got two kids, he has a wife, he's got a crazier job than me. And, um, I kind of was able to think about it just in a different light and, um, and somehow or another, uh, for good or for bad, I came out with a victor in the, uh, 
in the bet and um I see. So it was just it was you and him. One of you guys was going to yeah, win. Just a, just the two of us. But you know, it was an expensive enough uh, restaurant. He's a big wine drinker. I, I saw like I saw hundreds of dollars in my future, <laughs> and so <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to lose. I see. So so this wasn't like a weight loss challenge. that was like sponsored by a company or a... Uh, yeah, it was just a bet. Just he and I. Okay. So so what did you what did you think you needed to do? To, and you said you lost 40 pounds in six months, which yeah. which probably was amazing at that point. But when, we th- when you look at people now, like, what, what did you do that worked and didn't work? Yeah, so when I, so I was 297. By the time we started the challenge, I'd already, say, I'd already gotten a bicycle. Uh, the bicycle was a gift, and I lost 10. So I started the, I started the challenge at 287, and I lost 40 from there. Uh-huh. Um, and honestly, I just I – w- I mean, I was so – like I said, everything I ate was beige. Um, I I would wait on the couch uh, on my laptop working for my wife to say dinner's ready, and then you know that was like my physical ac- activity for the day was like getting you know running from the couch to the table. You know, I was I, I, I wasn't an unhealthy in terms of medically speaking person, but you know I just wasn't. I didn't move. I didn't. I didn't really do a lot. And roughly, how how old are you at this point? Um, I was probably around twenty five or twenty six. So I was still fairly young. Um, which I think, I think probably did play a part in, you know, my body responded really quickly to it. Um, and I was also able to make changes to my life because, you know, I, I own my own business and I was able to, um, you know, make adjustments in schedule or, you know, dedicate time. But I would just, I would have a discussion with anybody who was willing to talk about it. I would tell any, anyone and everyone everywhere I would go, Hey, I'm doing this weight loss challenge. And then if they'd say, Oh, I lost weight or I do this. And so I would try anything. You know, my attitude was kind of, I'll try anything for a couple weeks or for a month, see how I feel, see how my body reacts. So, I mean, I tried everything from, you know, um, like, I hate to say meal replacement or protein shakes because it's not like what you'd maybe see in a traditional, um, you know, bodybuilder store or anything like that. But, you know, just tried things like that. I, I started eating a little bit, um, you know, a couple more salads. That was one thing that I would eat from time to time, which usually was like iceberg lettuce and Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> um, and um, and then I started riding my bike a bunch. And I kind of got into cycling. And I started, um, you know, just using my bike as a transportation device around town. And then I would do group rides. And um, I just I just kind of started chipping away. Um, at that time, I was I was a far cry from where I'm at now in terms of my kind of eating protocol. But compared to what I was before with frozen pizzas and mac and cheese, you know, I was I was actually, you know, making some changes that, you know, if nothing else, I was I was consuming less calories. Uh huh. Sure. Uh, So did you find if you you know in six months, you know, I can I know people who've done like serious meal replacement protocols, like nothing else. And and they they had amazing transformations over, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks. But then they had to at some point they went back to the way they were eating before and they gained it all back plus. Um, Did you find there were anything in there that, that you noticed was like, oh, this is sustainable versus this is to win the challenge? Yeah, you know, I think a big part of it for me was I had lived so much of my life and, and told myself and probably mentioned it out loud as well that this is this is the, the cards I've been dealt. This is the body that I have. These are the things that are going to, you know, I have to work with. And, and um, I had seen myself in that place kind of as a victim for so long 
that when I actually saw results, I could no longer believe the lie. And so that really led to me saying, well, if this is possible, then what else is possible? And, you know, I went from, I went from not being able to, I mean, the first time I rode a bike and as an adult, I really thought my life had flashed before my eyes going at like three miles an hour. Um, and you know, six months into this weight loss challenge, you know, I'm out riding with groups of people and able to, you know, be on a bike for, for two or three hours and ride, you know, long distances. And so, you know, for me, I saw my, my, my change and, you know, if you want to say transformation of my journey, I saw it as a starting point of possibility rather than a endpoint. I said, you know, to myself, well, if this is possible, what else is possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think mentally six months was enough time for me to really change the way that I looked at food. Uh, it was enough time for me to look at, change the way I looked at my body and the possibilities and the relationship that I kind of had with all of those. Right. Um, so when did you, like, how, how did you get smarter? about it like you know you're 25 doing doing anything eating slightly fewer beige foods and moving at all obviously you know the pounds started coming off and you felt you know hopeful and and alive and full of possibility when when did you when do you feel like you started discerning like more of the the objective science and you know the way the way you eat now which i i don't like i don't exactly know what that is yeah sure so um Basically, you know, it's somewhere it's somewhere in the process, um, which is a little cloudy, but it's been it's been enough years that it's you know it's it's a little bit of a memory. Um, but I I kind of just toy with the idea of vegetarianism, um, and part of that was from a health standpoint. You know, I think we we not to say we all know to make a generalization, but you know, it's it's um, at least I knew, and I think a decent amount of people know that um, you know eat your fruits and vegetables. Uh, and so it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit of, um, not to sound overly, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, you know, basically I, at some point I also became a little bit uncomfortable with the idea that I wasn't a hunter and I wasn't really a huge fisherman. And that if I was responsible for, for taking care of providing that food for myself, that I don't know if I would have been. And just having somebody else do that for me, I didn't know if I completely felt comfortable with it. And so, it, and then the other thing was I'd hit a plateau in my weight loss. And so, you know, all those things happened simultaneously. And I said, I can do anything for a month or I can do anything for two months. So I'm just going to try, veg- you know, do vegetarian. And so that's kind of whenever I began to start eating more food and trying new things. And, um, you know, I just said, I'll try something if I don't like it. I don't like it and that's fine, but at least I can say I've tried it. And so that kind of just led to a path and the unexpected benefit from what that was, I felt unbelievably better. Um, and I wasn't anticipating necessarily it affecting the way that I felt as far as energy levels and just, you know, physically, uh, mental clarity, all those kinds of things. But I just realized that it all happened at the same time and I really enjoyed it. Um, and also I was experiencing flavors that I had never experienced before. And, um, funny enough, my wife is unbelievably supportive. Um, but the, you know, I basically, I, I went out and did a little bit of reading and whatnot, decided to do it. And I came home one day and said, Hey honey, I'm going to do vegetarian for a month or two, which she wasn't thrilled. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend, 
Um, but you know, through the process, the thing that it did for us as a couple is I had never been interested in cooking before. I had never been in the kitchen before. It was always kind of her space. And then I would, you know, it's almost like she'd ring the dinner bell and I would come. Whereas <laughs> now we started actually experiencing cooking and being in the kitchen and we kind of almost in a way unlocked a part of our relationship that never really existed. And at this point, this is probably at least six to eight years into marriage. Maybe, yeah, maybe five to six years into marriage. So, um, you know, just kind of really the, the initial plan was, hey, I need to lose some more weight. Let's just give this vegetarian try thing a try for a little while. Because I had done that with a bunch of other things, whether it was like shakes or bars or, you know, whatever. It was all it was all kind of a grand experiment. Uh, so now you were actually like cooking and yeah. sh shopping and finding recipes. And yeah, it's a novel idea. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, somewhere in there, like I was like I was saying, my wife, um, you know, has been extremely supportive. She would you know, she would cut up an apple for me every single morning because she would cut up an apple to take with her because she's a teacher. Uh, to school. And then she would cut up, you know, carrots and she would um, have them for me. So that if I need something in the afternoon, if I was going to reach for something, it wouldn't be, you know, a cookie or something else beige, but would be, you know, something that was health promoting. And so we kind of just, you know, and then it was like, well, there's an interest in this. And I never, I never thought that, you know, I never even thought, you know, I looked at the spice cabinet before and it just looked like a foreign land. And now <laughs> it was, now it was something that, I thought, hey, this could actually be something that I could be interested in that we could do together and that we could actually, you know, experience together and then, you know, it opened us up to, you know, new experiences with friends and, and all that. So it, the vegetarian thing was really kind of just a – it was meant to be a one-month experiment and then little did I know that it was going to kind of lead me down a path to where I am now that kind of gave me a whole uh, worldview change. So can you describe where you are now? Yes, as far as eating protocol, diet. Yeah, and world worldview, diet, all that, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, um, I still live in Lafayette. It's still a fantastic place to uh, to live. A little more limited on um, where I can eat now, but yeah. So I'm 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 whole food, plant based now, um, with usually a pretty limited amount of oil and salt, and pretty much zero sugar. Um, and uh, you know, I uh, I was having a conversation with with. Tim Kaufman about this a couple of days ago, you know, he was like, did you read before, you know, whenever you're doing that, I was like, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the brain, I didn't have space left in my brain or any energy left to read. So, you know, I think there's a, just a general curious curiosity that's come along with this process. And, and now looking back, I can see that it really was just kind of a journey of discovery. And, you know, you discover one thing and then that leads you to another thing. And eventually it led me into this, you know, place with the whole food, plant-based eating with how it, it feels, um, with, you know, where I'm at health wise, as far as, you know, how I actually, uh, how my body feels, but also just in terms of, um, what I'm able to do and what I'm able to, you know, physically that I, I maybe could have never done before. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Hmm. So at some point, it, it sounds like a really beautiful sort of slippery slope or boiled frog where you, you're doing one tiny little thing at a time, and then you wake up and you look back and go, "Wow, I've come a long way." Was, no, was, for sure. Was there a point at which you felt like, "Okay, now I'm alienating myself from other people, like I'm different, like I've crossed a line"? Um, yeah, you know, um, I think it's probably easy to feel that way, and 
I really am hesitant to at all draw any kind of a picture that that puts um, where I'm from in a bad light because to be honest, like um, you know the people the people are just absolutely fantastic. The place is amazing, um, and I absolutely love it here. But I think once you start to really make any kind of food choices, um, and in some in some ways some activity choices outside of you know what is traditionally pretty salt, sugar, and fat laden food, and a somewhat sedentary lifestyle, at least um, in, in a lot of ways, you kind of are an outsider. Um, and I think that's changing. And, and Lafayette, in a lot of ways, has changed a ton. There's a there's a huge um, active community here that probably didn't exist ten years ago. Probably not unlike a lot of other towns that you know you would go to around the country. Um, but I think you know once you decide to stop, once I decided to stop eating uh, animals, uh, and then especially like dairy, you get to be an outsider pretty quick. Um, which is not something that I really mind too much, to be honest with you. Um, it's it's cool because, um, you know, although the that's certainly a part of it, it also gives me an opportunity to tell people about my story, about weight loss and my journey, and talk to people about the possibility of things that maybe if I would have done it another way, I wouldn't find myself in as much, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so how, how do people respond um, you know, it, there's, it's a varied response. I mean, I, I mean, I've had people who I'm at a restaurant and I ask about, you know, do you have any, I've kind of gotten better about it. I used to say, do you have any vegan options? You know, now I just kind of word it a little differently, but I've had people like from another table sitting next to me saying, what you're vegan, uh, at a restaurant that, that like aren't at my table. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's oftentimes a little, it's funny how offended somebody else will get about the food that I'm putting in my body. Um, but it is also now giving me an opportunity to have conversations that I simply just wouldn't have had before. So oftentimes it is kind of a little stand backish, And I think there's probably some stereotypes, some of which are probably well earned that people are kind of just responding to or responding with. Um, but I also think that, you know, even though, I have tons of negative, you know, I have an opportunity these days sometimes to go and cook meals for people or have, uh, you know, conversations with people who are maybe where I was at the beginning of this that has, um, you know, it's worth all the people who are, you know, have the, have the, uh, the funny vegan, you know, vegetarian bumper stickers, vegetarian, it's a, you know, old word for bad hunter or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of varied, and I think it's I think it's getting better too. You know, people are becoming more aware of it. If nothing else, you know, they're seeing news stories about the health benefits and whatnot. And so, uh, and you know, when when you, I always keep a couple pictures on my phone. And so when people ask me about it, oftentimes what I'll just do is I'll say, "Do you have a second? And I'll pull out my phone. I say, "I'd love to show. I'd love to show you a picture." And then that kind of is a good place to start off from usually. Hmm. And um, yeah. When I look at Josh Lajani's pictures, like I, I have to take his word for it that that was him. Is that is that kind of what people what people respond to with you, or does, is it like obvious that that's you? Um, it's a mixed bag. Um, I knew it was time to get a new license when I had a hard time cashing a check at the bank. <laughs> um, and so, you know, sometimes you do have people who uh, who are able to see it, but I do have people who who flat out just don't recognize me anymore. I'll be standing in front of them and I'll say. 
hey, you know, hey, I had I had it happen on two days ago, and I said, hey, Billy, and he just kind of looked at me, and then I had to reintroduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's certainly there's certainly an element of that. I mean, I I don't. It's not quite as extreme as you know by any means, Josh, but I do look pretty drastically different. I carried a lot of my weight in my belly, and especially in my face and neck. So it's understandable that you know people might have a harder time realizing that it's me. Gotcha. Well, maybe you can you can shoot me some before and after pictures for the for the podcast page. Absolutely, I will. Okay. So um, you said before, you know, you're just an ordinary guy, and you know, I would love to to do ten years worth of podcasts with ordinary guys and gals who've gone through this uh, process, who've discovered, you know, the the sustainable aspects of weight loss and and all the other good things it does for you at every level physically emotionally spiritually psychologically etc but you've gone beyond that right you've at some point you decided that you wanted to what did you know you wanted to do a documentary or like what was the impetus to to share this in some sort of artistic or, or creative way or formal way yeah i'll try and i'll try and make it somewhat short but Basically, um, one day I was actually on my indoor bicycle trainer because it was raining outside, and um, I was searching through documentaries on Netflix to watch, and I realized that there was a bunch of good information out there, but I realized that, that maybe what was lacking was a little bit of inspiration, and specifically, you know, how would the 300-pound old self speaking of me, have responded to information versus inspiration. And so it just made me realize, you know, maybe, um, like I remember asking Tim Kaufman, what would you have said, you know, what would you have said to yourself, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago? He said, I would have thrown a cheeseburger at you. Um, and I probably, <laughs> not to say I would have had the same response, but it wasn't on my radar. And so, um, you know, how can, how can I possibly be a part of bringing a message to people who maybe were at where I was at, you know, thinking they're stuck, thinking there's no possibility, thinking they're destined for a life of this and medicine and, you know, surgeries and all that. And so I kind of just pitched the idea to a friend. I said, Hey, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a documentary on people who've lost significant amounts of weight. At the time, the idea was a hundred pounds, just because that's when people's kind of reaction to you tell them that you lost weight changes. You know, you can lose 80 pounds and they say, Oh, it's awesome. You say a hundred pounds. They want to talk your ear off. And uh, I said, I'm going to do it whether or not you're interested. And it's a friend of mine who we work together a lot. And he's a super talented guy. And I said, I'd love to have you along for the ride. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And so I kind of just started doing research. And I was aware of Josh. And we had, we had, we had communicated through email before. But I just saw an opportunity in that you know he has such an incredible story. He's only an hour and a half down the road. And I just kind of pitched the idea to him, like, hey, this is what I want to do. And so we went and spent a couple of days with Josh, just kind of tried to capture his story, uh, running, working out. You know, I ran with them, worked out with them. And, uh, and then from there, it's just kind of evolved. And, the, you know, really the goal of the project is to just kind of show people that, it's, that this is possible. And through that and through, you know, us putting out a little teaser trailer with Josh's story, I got a bunch of interest and then realized there was no way to go and document all these people. Um, and also the entire project thus far has been self-funded. I've been self-funding it and there's also no way financially for me to go and meet all these people. And so how can I possibly harness this interest and, and these people's stories in a way 
that's doable. And that kind of just led to me saying, why don't I just do some Skype interviews and turn that into a podcast and just see where it goes from there. And so, um, you know, now we've just kind of, uh, you know, I've met people through, you know, I interview one person, they say, you got to meet three people, uh, or another person sees it and says, Hey, I've got a story. And so I've just been basically doing Skype interviews once a week. And then that, you know, put it on YouTube, um, as an interview series and also as a podcast. And then, um, additionally, I, um, am now the plan is to film four different people, including Josh. Um, and then we just got finished last week filming Tim Kaufman and actually do a full length. And the goal with that would be that it would be on a platform like Netflix or hopefully Netflix that, um, there would be an actual full length. So I think, I think initially to get to your original question, I, I did know that I wanted to do a documentary, um, but I didn't know necessarily that it was going to also develop into a podcast and an interview series, um, which has been phenomenal because it's given me an opportunity to talk to people and quite honestly, sometimes ask them really tough questions and, and hear some answers that maybe in everyday life I wouldn't hear from people otherwise. Hmm, like what? You know, just, um, just the things that mostly the emotional things, the things that you go through, um, you know, it's easy as a bigger guy or gal to, you know, make jokes or kind of self-deprecate. But um, the harder things are to have those conversations about, um, you know, whether it's the medical issues that you're having or some of those things that you deal with when you're by yourself, when you're, you know, kind of the things whenever you're telling yourself, not to say you're not worth anything, but, you know, as a, as a bigger person, at least for me, I know for a lot of other people, your self-esteem isn't that great. And the way that you, you think about yourself and the way that you think other people think about you, whether it's true or not, is usually pretty negative or oftentimes can turn to negative things. And so, you know, by asking some of these people questions about, you know, what, what surprised you about losing the weight that you weren't necessarily expecting. And when somebody says, now I have confidence or now I'm, you know, now I can navigate social situations or now I don't sit and cry myself to sleep or, you know, have, uh, feel like I'm not worth anything. Those aren't conversations that, for me at least at 300 pounds, I was willing to have with people. But my hope is, is that for somebody who's maybe possibly listening, who's maybe where I was, that they can realize that they're not the only ones going through it. I mean, there's, there are these little things that I think people do when you're bigger that you think that only you do or only you're aware of that when you start to talk to these people, you realize, oh, no, everybody does that. You know, like whether that's – I remember somebody was saying, you know, you, you can tell a person – you know, who, who's maybe a little bigger, who struggles because they only tie their shoes on the inside because they can't reach the outside, you know, the outside of the middle of their shoe. Mm. Um, and so they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're cues like that or things that I think we feel like we're going through by ourselves, but the reality is other people because of maybe similar circumstances are also dealing with some of those same things. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so, you know, one, one of the things that I've heard um, from from sort of this you know, new age spiritual community is that there there are ways in which a lot of excess weight functions as a protective barrier, right? On on, on some sort of emotional level. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, I think to the, you know to the extent that it might be, um, it would it it's um, it's a great relief for someone. To, to, to lose the weight and to start to practice like emotional accessibility and vulnerability as opposed to 
you know, I know I've talked to Josh about this a lot, about having to be the life of the party and always having a smile on his face is almost a form of deflection, like a mask. Yeah, and I think I think you spend, you know, it's um, I don't know the I don't know the numbers, but I think you you spend you know an, an incredible amount of energy in your head and and whether that's I mean it can be simple things like preparing for where you're going to park, where you're going to sit, um, how far is the walk going to be? Do I need you know? Uh, I always need to wear an undershirt. You know, you spend so much time mentally on all these other things that I think sometimes there's almost no space left for personal development or for really considering, you know, kind of how you dealt with a situation. Like I know, I know Josh says this and I know a lot of people say this, you know, like, like you, it's almost like you're not only physically heavy, but you're emotionally heavy because these things that, you know, that for, for somebody aren't as maybe big of a deal you kind of in your mind or because situationally it may actually make things more difficult. You expend more of that, uh, mental and emotional energy than you would if you didn't have to consider those things. Mm, yeah. Um, so what, um, so the first person that you, that you, um, did in depth footage with is Josh, right? Yeah. Yeah. We spent, we spent, um, two or two and a half days with him, like I said, it just kind of made sense because he had such a great story. I had actually gone down ahead of time with him and spent a day and we worked out. We kind of just hung out for the day, um, just kind of getting to know him and, you know, making sure that I kind of knew um, what his life looked like ahead of time, and um, which was great because, you know, he's, I think I mentioned this, but he's an hour and a half down the road. And um, it, he also kind of sticks out like a little bit of a sore thumb in that community, um, which I think in a way, maybe, you know, I don't know about for me, but for him especially has made him extremely resilient in the way and also very, um, determined in the way that he does things. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like you make it, you make a decision to go a direction and then you just, there's no deviating from that. Yeah. So, um, did it, what surprised you about your conversations with Josh and you're observing his life, you know, did, did you think like, okay, so I'm using my own story kind of as a template and Josh is going to fit into that. Were you surprised more by similarities or differences? Like what really struck you in that first, that first series of interviews? Um, you know, I think, um, first off, and I, and, and, and I should say this, you know, really my, my hope and my goal with this whole project, whether it's the podcast and the interviews or the actual film, is to have a diverse enough group of people so that no matter who is to turn it on, that they would be able to relate to somebody. Um, and I think one of the things that makes Josh different, even, you know, from we just got finished with Tim and some of these other people that I know or I've had conversations with, is his level of dedication and determined determinism, determination, I guess, um, is at a different level. I mean, you know, our, um, we only shot for two days, so we had fairly, um, you know, fairly long days where our, our, our second day, I think, I think our first shot was scheduled for 3 a.m. <laughs> for a 3 a.m. run. And it's just, you know, I don't know many people who would be that committed to doing that. And, um, I think his level of commitment is was a little surprising and of course ex inspiring um but to realize that's like basically the, the way he lives whenever he's getting ready for that i think another thing that that not to say surprised me about josh but is definitely very different from my story is you know he was a hunter 
he um, he is much more um, kind of the if if you were to draw a um, a stereotype of a southern man, especially from southern Louisiana, he fits that a lot more than me as far as you know hunting and cooking and um, and activities and things like that. And so, to be honest with you, for him, I think it was a lot more drastic than it was for me because I didn't have to get away from, you know, hunting and cooking and going to the camp every weekend and kind of living, you know, that lifestyle. Um, whereas for him, you know, his 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 changes are pretty, not to say mine weren't drastic, but his are very, very drastic. Right. Well, and, then, and then I will say this, sorry. The other thing that really impressed me about him and his story that I think is also extremely unique is it's gone out from just him to his family. I mean, I think, um, I think conservatively his family has lost something like a, a combined over 800 pounds together. And I think it's actually higher than that, but I don't want to misquote it. Um, but I just don't think that's something that you see quite as much. Sometimes you see somebody like an individual from a family and they almost seem like a, an outlier or a, you know, not say the black sheep, but, but the exception and so it was really incredible to see that, you know, his, his change had affected his family. Even, I mean, the most, the most striking is his grandfather, who basically had spent, I think, most of his adult life either unable to walk or very limited mobility and had basically been resigned to a scooter. Um, and now he's actually, at 85, able to walk off of his medications and at a lower weight than he's been uh, by, I think, you know, over 150 pounds, maybe now over 180 pounds, um, you know, in at, at 85 or 86 than he was when he was, you know, a much younger man. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it occurs to me that you're kind of a, a theme word for your whole project is drastic. When you, you know, you're looking at real outliers, like people who did amazing things with their, with their weight and their life transformation and kept it off. So, what the number now you said it was originally a hundred is it has it gone up like the threshold for for being in the film <laughs> no it is funny though i've had a conversation with my wife she'll she'll say uh you know i'll get off of a, a skype interview and she'll say like oh tell me about the person how much did they lose and i'll and i'll say like oh they lost like 160 or 220 or whatever and it, it's funny to me that today that's just kind of a a normal thing that i talk with people pretty often who've lost just you know whole people basically um and, um, and I think, you know, the real thing as far as to your original deal is, I think the reason it is so drastic is because it is a normal person living in normal circumstances, you know, um, and I do talk to people who've, who've gone about it different ways. And I've, I've tried with a couple of people, um, who've done it with, you know, through surgery. Um, but I don't, you know, a lot of the people who I've talked to, even though maybe they had some, they had some desire to make changes. I think that you know, in part, there may have been a little bit of a, of a lie that that lived with beneath that that you know just kept perpetuating that said you know you're going to gain it back, and and people have have truly said you know whether that's a lie within themselves or that's just a lie that we live with. Like you said, the statistics aren't good. Um, and so, you know, my real hope is just to find people who, who've, who've said, I don't care about the odds. And, and then somehow or another that ends up being that I talk to people all the time who've lost, you know, 
150, 200, 250 pounds. Um, and, um, it's, it's truly mind blowing. Yeah. And, and what occurs to me is like when I first heard Josh's story, it's like, wow, that, you know, that totally is extreme. First the, you know, the background and then all the emotional baggage and then the family stuff. And then I interviewed Tim Kaufman and it's like, wow, he's like, he's got no knees. <laughs> Right. You know, he's he's running a marathon with legs that shouldn't even work. And I, well, that's really drastic. And I'm, I'm imagining there's something about, you know, pretty much everyone's story that is, you know, for lack of a better word, really heroic. Like, you know, when I think of hero, I think of against the odds. Like, yeah. And I think I think the beautiful thing is that, you know, I'm like learning through this is like we all do have a beautiful story. And, uh, you know, for. For some people, they're just in a different place in that story. And I just happen to be talking to people who have, like you said, really dramatic or really heroic stories. I mean, I we just finished a couple of days with Tim, and I remember him sitting there telling me that um, that basically, you know, he's a he's a teacher now, and when he was really big, he would drop his chalk, and he had basically just developed a, a quick reflex that if he dropped his chalk, he would very quickly kick it, and he would kick it to the corner of the room because he couldn't reach down and pick it up. Yeah. And uh, when he when I heard that story, and I don't know if this will end up actually lining up in in the in the film, but I had this I had this vision of him doing deadlifts. At, and I think we, he hasn't been lifting a ton because he's in marathon training, but I think, you know, when we were there, he lift, he was deadlifting well over 300 pounds. I think, you know, whenever he's actually weight, I think he goes through times of the year where he does different stuff. So, you know, right now he's doing running when it starts getting a little colder towards the fall, he'll still do, start doing more weights. But I think, you know, he'll do up to 500 pound deadlift. And so I really, you know, I thought here's a guy who couldn't bend down to pick up a piece of chalk that's a couple ounces and I'm standing here watching him deadlift over 300 pounds. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and, you know, to, to sit there, we, we kind of, he, he pulled out a box of his old splints and casts and canes and crutches out of the, the, uh, the attic, which were just a fraction of what he used to have. And, I'm, and he's sitting there going through the box, and I just can't imagine the man in front of me using these devices. I mean, he's got a, I don't, I don't know that this will make it, but it was kind of funny. He has a Punisher t-shirt and he's using the canes as like, as if he's got like machine dual wielding machine guns. And, uh, you know, and, and now he's standing, you know, in front of me with this, whereas before those were basically the ways that he was able to move. And then we also had an opportunity, which was amazing to sit down with his doctor for a couple minutes and his doctor, who's been seeing him for like 15 years, said every time I like, I don't believe this is the same man in front of me. I have to pinch myself whenever I see him. And, um, you know, it's it's an honor to be a part of these to, to be allowed into some of these stories. And, uh, you know, whether that's a that's an hour long or 30 minute long Skype call or for, you know, Josh and Tim and hopefully for two more people um, actually, you know, really kind of getting a glimpse into living their life for a couple of days. You know, it's it's um, it's made me realize truly that that anything is possible. Yeah. So so I don't know that it's germane to the main topic of like lifestyle change and drastic transformation, but I'm really curious. Like, were you a filmmaker? Was that your work? Did you know? Did you know how to do this? No, there's a there's a little bit of learn as you go. Um, so I'm a photographer. That's what I've done um, for the last 
Um, I don't know. Basically, it's, it's, it's what I've done for most of my post-high school adult life full-time. So probably somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 13 years or so. So I've been a photographer, and then I've always dabbled with video or film. Um, but, I'm, but, you know, it's been project-to-project basis or sometimes for personal projects. Um, but, you know, I, at some point, and I kind of skipped over this, at some point I realized that, you know, I was at where I was at as a result of other people giving back to me, whether that was, you know, having conversations with me about what they had done or what they do to be healthy whenever I was just looking for any answers, or whether that was just people who, you know, gave me encouragement and said, hey, you know, like, you're looking great, or great job on the hard work, and, you know, things like that. And I realized that at some point, I kind of have to be a part of perpetuating that forward to help the next person. And I realized that, you know, although I'm passionate about a lot of things, I wasn't going to become a you know, a, a doctor, I wasn't going to become a nutritionist, I wasn't going to become a personal trainer. And so I really kind of just wanted to figure out what are what are the ways in which I can use the gifts and skills and, um, and equipment available to me to help kind of perpetuate that message forward. And that's kind of how I landed at doing the film. Um, and I've done a couple things that are, you know, long-ish form for for clients, you know, that have, that have been up to 15 or 20 minutes as far as video. So I kind of had a glimpse into what that would look like in terms of a, a little bit of a larger project. Um, and then I've, I've done a lot of work where uh, I do stills on like TV or commercial shoots. So I'm kind of familiar with just being in that environment, that production environment and, you know, with that, just being an observer um, in some of those situations and realizing what it takes to make some of that stuff. And, um, and then the other thing is, is that, um, I knew that I had a huge, um, opportunity with my friend, his name is Jamie Aurelian, um, in that, you know, he could kind of be the camera technical, um, on that side of things. And that I could kind of just stick with a little bit of the story, um, and the logistics and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, although it is me doing, you know, you see me on the podcast and the interview series and I'm kind of, um, present a little bit in the filming, um, you know, Jamie is a huge part of this as well. Hmm. So, um, you mentioned that you're self-funding, are you doing any sort of fundraising or crowdsourcing or looking for investors? So if, 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 uh, if my, my, my billionaire listeners happen to be, you know, the, the beautiful, the beautiful thing is, is that, is that, um, is that because it's just Jamie and I, and he's being kind enough to kind of give me his time and, uh, time with his equipment, uh, the stuff that especially I don't have, uh, we're able to do this for fairly reasonable amounts of money. Um, I'm still having to pay for plane tickets and hotels and things like that. So I am definitely very much so looking for help in producing it. Um, but you know what I, what I can do on a very low key, um, kind of situation is probably a lot more than what some people would need. Just, you know, once you start working in a ton of people and, you know, I'm, I did the edit for Josh, I'll probably do the edit for Tim there's probably a decent chance I'll do most of the edit or the story for the full length. Um, and so the amount of money needed to do it is not a crazy amount. Um, and I would, um, you know, we're looking at different options. I guess part of the thing for me is that I would love if we're going to do something, I'm not saying that I'm not now, but I want to make sure that, uh, the people who are, who are 
you know, who we would potentially be looking for, for money from, that they would also be able to get something out of it and get some level of, um, some level of benefit from it as well. Um, and so, um, we have a, you know, right now we just have basically a PayPal donate button on, on our website. Um, and in the future, and what's, what's the website? It's bigchangethefilm.com. Uh, and then the Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash big change the film. And, um, we have, you know, kind of my goal is, like I said, to have two more people to film. And so I would love to get a little bit of financial assistance for that, but I believe in the project and I believe in the story enough so that if it takes me self-funding the whole thing, that I'll figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So in a way, it reminds me of another project. I'm not sure if you've heard about it called the Radical Remission Project. No, um, I'm not. So it's this uh, researcher named Kelly Turner who um, had studied radical remission from cancer, people who got better against all odds. And like you studying people who've lost a couple hundred pounds and kept it off, they were there was only anecdotes and, and case studies and very few. And so people, like the medical profession, really didn't believe that this happened on a, on a large scale. And when she started walking around and looking, she was like, it's like popcorn happening all over. Right. And it just wasn't being collated and documented in a way that gave people hope. And so she, you know, she wrote this book and she, she did hundreds of interviews um, you know, not for film, but just, you know, as a, as a researcher and then started this website where people could put it, could add their own stories. And what it's, what it's doing for people who are part of this movement is, you know, you get your diagnosis of cancer, the C word, and you, your doctor says, well, here's the prognosis. It's not so good. And now you have this entire community saying, calling BS saying, you know what, you make these drastic changes. And she identified like nine things that everybody who heals does, you know, including, you know, change your diet, um, you know, very, various fairly commonsensical things and some, some uh, a little bit surprising, which is everybody she interviewed said, yeah, we do these things. So now all of a sudden you have a community that, that has a different narrative and has a little bit of hope. And it seems like that's where Big Change the Film could, could go, could give people who are 500 pounds and getting around on scooters and not tying their shoes a feeling like, okay, this is, there is a roadmap for me to follow. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm not familiar, but I mean that, that basically you're, you're describing everything I've thought in my head and, um, and what I'm kind of trying to accomplish. Um, you know, cause, uh, you know, it, it is a bummer that, that everybody, uh, you know, kind of defaults to, and it's understandable as well, but you know, kind of the default is to go to, uh, impossible. And, um, the reality is, is that, you know, you're, you're in the pilot seat of your, of your life. And, um, if you're, if you don't make the choices for you, somebody else is going to make them. And, um, and there is, you know, it is possible. And I, I, I lived for way too long under the guise that it was impossible and that, um, that, you know, that Nessie did not exist. But the reality <laughs> is, is that, you know, uh, that, it, that, it, that it is a possibility. And, and, and hopefully, you know, I mean, as we grow and as more and more interviews are there that, you know, you can't, you can't help, but you can't, you can no longer ignore the possibility once you see 
Tim Kaufman's story or Josh Lajani's story or so many of these other people. I mean, although they both have phenomenal stories, there are a ton of people that I've interviewed that just have these stories that, or, or they have this look that previously you would have just said, there's no way to that situation. Um, and, you know, Tim Kaufman's doctor told me Tim was going to a wheelchair. Like that was just the reality of it. Um, and like you said, you know, he's running marathons. He just climbed the highest peak on the East coast and, um, it's incredible. And like I said, it's an honor to see the, to get to see these stories, maybe a little more up close than I would have had the opportunity to otherwise. Um, but you know, when you do, you, you can't help but believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, 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 it no longer is belief, right? It's just knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one thing to read. It's one thing to read, read a statistic or to see people at a distance and things like that. But I mean, I think that's one thing that you asked earlier about, you know, what, how do people respond to, you know, if, if, if diet or, or eating comes up, you know, like there's no, it, it's one thing to look at a study from a distance or hear a statistic from, you know, the television or the news. But when I show you a picture of myself before and after, and then I bring up, you know, the list of people who I've had conversations with, and I show you all their before and after pictures, they're not numbers, they're people, and they're people who've done it, and um, they're, they're proof. Right. So, um, it's time, it's time to, to let you go. I'm just curious, is, every, is everyone that you're finding um, who succeeded at this basically doing a plant-based lifestyle? So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say uh, yes to that. Um, and I don't only, um, I think just because the, the people that I've had conversations with and interviewed and have come to know, I do have a disproportionate amount of people who do it that way. Um, I have had a decent amount of people for the podcast and for, uh, you know, the interview series, um, that, that have, um, that have not been, have, you know, done it different ways. Like I said, I have had a couple of people who've done surgery. Um, and I don't, you know, in the, in the podcast slash interview side of things, I really don't try and direct it quite as much because I think there are enough great podcasts out there that do focus on, you know, the plant-based side of things. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily put maybe as much emphasis as other people, although I don't, um, I don't tell people that I'm not, I don't want to talk about the eating side of things. Um, but I think for that, at least, especially, um, trying to reach as wide of an audience as possible. Um, that's really just focus on people who are able to make a big difference in their life. Um, for the film, uh, my goal really would be to have, um, and you know, for this, I can be a little bit pickier, um, especially cause you know, it's, I'm, I'll be spending money. We'll be spending time. And also, um, I'll be spending multiple days with people. Um, I think for that, it's going to be people who are plant-based. Uh, I think it just, it, it makes sense for where I'm at, for where my personal message has kind of come from and, and is now. Um, but I know, um, just from, if nothing else, just while doing research, you know, for people who I'm interviewing, I know not everybody's plant-based necessarily. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I can't wait to, uh, to see, are you, you going to be like putting out the, uh, the footage as it, as it comes up, little trailers yeah. and teasers so I think and things. We're gonna our our next thing to tackle is gonna be a trailer for Tim, um, and so kind of in in uh, addition to everything else, just kind of going on with life. That's that's kind of uh, up next, and then um, you know I I don't have 
I would like, if nothing else, to keep myself motivated and moving forward. I would love to be able to have um, all the filming done within the next, let's say, year or so. Actually, I'd love to have the filming done by spring, which means that I need to have two more individuals that I that I'm going to go and spend time with. Um, and so, you know, I would love to I would love to have everything done by the spring and then start really trying to put together uh, the bigger story, you know, over the, the summer or fall of next year. I also think that if I don't commit to things like that, especially in public spaces such as this, that, uh, you know, I may not have quite as much motivation. All right. Well, you you all heard it here. <laughs> so uh, if we don't see something, I'll, uh, I'll I'll publicly post your email address. Yes, change me. <laughs> Please, I'll, I'll need it. Right, because that's that's the best way to get people to change, right? <laughs> Deep shame. Deep shame, yeah. All right, well, Jason Cohen, this is it's such a great project and such a great idea, and and for and I love that you're doing it, but and I love that you're doing it and not trying to like feel like you need eight million dollars, like you have a background in photography, but you but you're you're going for it in a way that I think inspires me and I think other people who want to do some testimony. Who want who to say? You know what? We can, we can make change in the world the same way we made change in ourselves. We don't have to do it huge. We can just do it. You know, do a little bit of shooting, put together a podcast, and and watch it and watch it grow just as we watched ourselves shrink. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, and I think I think you know um, we live in an amazing time, and I've been extremely fortunate to be born. Uh, into a place to where I am now and and get to a place where I'm now where creating content that can speak to people and reach people is uh, more accessible and less expensive to do than ever. Uh, so the excuses just uh, aren't there in a way that they maybe were at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, we, we, it's so easy to focus on all the all the negatives in our environment, but there's, yeah. there are sure are positives as well. Well, we only get so many laughs around this big rock that we're going on. So, you know, we got to make them count. (laughs) Right on. Jason Cohen, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I always enjoy listening to your podcast. It's it's an honor to, uh, to be on it. Awesome. Be well. All right. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes with links to everything we talked about, including the Facebook page and the website for Big Change the Movie at plantyourself.com slash 167. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 166 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast but not the weekly email newsletter, get over to plantyourself.com and sign up. Thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jenville Kanofsky, David Bizak, the mysterious Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, and Leah Stoller. God, I'm getting so good at saying that. You need to challenge me. You need to add some more names to that. So I have to uh, practice letting them come trippingly over the tongue for your generous support of the podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You can write a review on iTunes. It takes so little time. If you listen to even one episode and you've gotten like an hour's worth out of value, if you would take two minutes and go over to iTunes and leave a review and some stars, that does so much good for us. And um, 
You can become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or an ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com, just down the right sidebar. It says Patreon or Donate. You'll figure it out. Hey, drop me a line if you'll be attending Plant Stock in two weeks at the Esselstyn Farm in upstate New York. Um, some buddies and I will be doing, nah, I should say, me and some buddies will be doing a 25-mile run starting in the wee hours of the morning on Saturday, August 20th. And you are, of course, welcome to join us. There should be some uh, august company up there, including Josh Lajani and Rich Roll. And we'll see if we can get Scott Jurek to, uh, to join us. Or, you know, you can wake up at a normal time and just welcome us back to the farmhouse and admire our aching calves. In garden news, we planted some fall greens yesterday evening. Very exciting. Mostly Russian kale. Uh, we still need to figure out how to keep the deer out before we can plant my favorite, Swiss chard. So if you have any uh, good ideas on deer fencing for about three quarters of an acre rectangular garden, drop me a line, hj at plantyourself.com. I'm really open to all suggestions at this point. Hey, that's it for this week. So as always, be well, my friends.